Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 712 for the 25th of September, 2020. This week, have you ever turned on your computer and found that your carefully organized desktop icons have been scattered all over the screen? If the location of desktop icons is important to you, there is a way to glue them in place. In short circuits, tablet and convertible computer users often close applications without intending to. There is a way to fix this, but it's not as easy as it should be. If you're a Facebook user, you probably have the new interface by now. If not, it won't be long, and there's no way to go back to the old system. Or is there? In spare parts, only on the website. Maybe you read a book a few years ago, and now you need some information or a quotation from the text, but you can't remember the name of the book. All is not lost. Microsoft has found that underwater data centers have fewer system failures than land-based data centers. And 20 years ago, I thought that computers were everywhere, but I had no way to foresee what was coming in 2020. Have you ever turned on your computer only to find that the icons on the desktop aren't where you left them? If you're one of those people who prefers the desktop to the start menu, this can be distressing. It's never been much of a problem for me. Take a look at the desktop on my computer and you'd think that I'm a neat and organized person. Look at the desktop on which the computer sits and you'll reach a much different conclusion. Instead of using the desktop, I keep frequently used applications in the taskbar. But it can be a distressing problem. Icons can move around when the user changes the screen's resolution, but they can also move around sometimes just because Windows is Windows. Listener Rick Ballantyne mentioned Software OK's Desktop OK application. It's one of about 50 small programs by Neded Herg, who says that he creates these applications because he has fun when programming small software solutions. He also accepts donations for the work, but there is no charge to download or install them. If the location of desktop icons is important to you, install Desktop OK, run the app, and click the Save button. This will save the settings with a name that reflects the size of the desktop, 5120 by 1440 for example. That's one that records icon placement on a dual monitor system with two 2560 by 1440 screens. You can then click that name and change it if you wish. And should the desktop icons become scrambled, just select the saved settings and click the restore button. Or right click it and choose restore. You'll also see use this for restore at Windows startup as an option. To use that function, open the options and select Start Desktop OK with Windows, and then select Restore on Windows Startup. There are several other options that will be handy if you routinely add or remove icons from the desktop, but if the icons are exactly the way you want them to be, either having Desktop OK restore their positions when you start Windows, 
or turning off all of the automation and using desktop OK only when the icons become jumbled will be sufficient. Or if you really like change, open the application and click punch the icons random position and the desktop icons will be thrown around with reckless abandon. The process creates an automatic save of the way the desktop looked before you clicked that option, so getting back to where you were is easy. Icons that have been deleted from the desktop, not just moved, will of course not be restored. Desktop OK is technology after all, not magic. As you look through the list of more than 50 small apps, you may pause and think, hmm, I've always wished Windows could do that. Take Cuter, for example. Windows has a perfectly good file explorer, but it could be a lot better. Moving files from one directory to another, or comparing directories, is clumsy with Windows Explorer because it shows only a single directory at a time. Now, it's possible to open a second instance of Explorer, but why? Cuter can show two, three, or four directories simultaneously on one or more drives. Cuter also has an excellent favorites function that can open multiple directories with a single click. When I'm working on TechBiter Worldwide, for example, I often need to see what's in the development directory, which happens to be on drive D, and also in the production website directory, which is on drive E. So I have a favorite that opens the development folder on the left panel and the production folder on the right panel. Some of the software OK offerings duplicate functions that are available using the command prompt or PowerShell. Traceroute, for example, is a handy tool that can reveal where a problem is if you can't reach a website or if the website is slow. It'll tell you where the hang-up is. You'll get the same information from a command line or PowerShell command as you will from Software OK's Traceroute OK, but some users will find it easier to use or easier to read. Traceroute OK is one of several apps that don't come with an installer. Just unzip the application, place the executable file in a directory of your choice, and run it as needed. Most of the Software OK apps can be set up in portable mode, meaning that they don't need to be installed. Cuter and Desktop OK, for example, can both be used in portable mode. Many users will prefer to install them, though, and that's my preference. Another handy utility is called FontView OK. Most font viewers and managers can show only a single window of typefaces, but FontView OK can show two panels to make comparing one typeface with another easier. You can view either the installed system typefaces or view all of the typefaces that are on the computer but not installed. Experience Index OK replicates the experience analysis that was in earlier versions of Windows, but has been dropped in the more recent versions. The Windows Experience Index allowed the computer owner to see scores for five major subsystems. The CPU, Physical Memory, Graphics Subsystem, Gaming Graphics Hardware, and the primary hard disk drive. Each subsystem test provides a score from 1.0 to 9.9, .9, and the computer's overall score is shown as the lowest of the subsystem scores. Testing professionals will find that technique ludicrous, but it does quickly and accurately identify the slowest component in the computer. The best possible score, 9.9, .9, would require the highest score for each subsystem. If even one subsystem scores 8.2, the overall machine score is 8.2.
So although it's not a full-fledged test, it is sufficient for users to compare a new computer with an older computer to confirm that the newer system is really faster. And the final app I'll mention today is the Aero Clock. Somehow OK is not a part of this one's name, and it has retained Aero, which is what Microsoft once used as the name for the Windows 10 graphical interface. You can place an analog clock on the desktop or set it so that it's always on top. Always on top means that it will appear above any application you're running. You'll be able to set the size, color, and transparency of the clock, as well as to lock its location or make it possible for you to move it around the screen as you wish. It's encouraging to see that there are still some one-person software shops that create small, useful applications, distribute them for free, and depend on users to see the value and make contributions. If you'd like to see more, visit the website and take a look at Software OK's offerings. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, Tablet and convertible computers have a lot of helpful features, and the touch screen is so useful that I find myself reaching out to touch the screen, even on computers that don't have touch screens. But these devices have one supremely annoying feature for which there is no clear, easy solution. Anyone who runs applications in either tablet mode or desktop full screen mode has probably closed an application unintentionally. It's easy to do so. The X that appears in the top right corner of virtually all Windows applications is exactly where my thumb goes when I pick up the Surface Pro, and invariably I close the application I'm working with. Now, this seems to be an obvious candidate for a fix by the developers of the operating system, Microsoft in other words. It's obvious to everyone but Microsoft management. So I was looking for a way to disable the close button and found an application called No Close that claims to do exactly that. The good news is that it's free. Even better, it doesn't need to be installed. Just run it. Disabling the close button can be temporary or permanent, and it works with some applications. And there's the bad news. It works with some applications. No Close doesn't work with either Firefox or Chrome, the two applications that are precisely the ones that I am most likely to close accidentally. Unfortunately, it also doesn't work with Office 365 apps, Spotify, and some of the Adobe applications. It does work with Lightroom Classic, but not with InDesign. It works with the Kindle app and Microsoft's PowerShell, Resource Monitor, and Task Manager, but not with Facebook's Messenger or Techie Geek's Ultimate Settings Panel. 
If you close some apps by just handling your tablet or convertible device, no close might be worth a try. But I want to be clear that the operation is not consistent. If it works, you can temporarily disable the close button by running no close, making the application you want to keep open active, and then pressing Control-1. To re-enable the close button, click Control-1 again. Now, it's not Control-F1, not the function key. That's an important distinction. To make the setting permanent, click Control-2, and then either add no close to your startup applications or start it whenever you want to disable the close button. No close has not been updated since 2006. That is probably the primary reason that it doesn't work with newer applications. It was last tested on the 32-bit version of Windows 7. So if you want to give it a try, you can download it from the developer's website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If accidentally closing Firefox or Chrome is a problem for you, you'll need to use a browser-specific approach. Firefox has a useful setting that's built in, and there's a clumsy workaround for Chrome. Let's take a look at Firefox first. You want to type about colon config in the address bar and then press enter. Unless you've already turned it off, Firefox will display a warning screen, so accept the warning. On the next display, type browser.tabs.warnonclose in the search bar. Change the setting for browser tabs warn on close from false to true. That setting may be changed by clicking the two-headed arrow on the right side of the screen or by double-clicking anywhere on the line. Then close the configuration tab. Once you've done that, whenever more than one tab is open, and you have to have more than one tab open for this to work, Firefox will display a warning when you click the close button. This also applies when you attempt to close Firefox using any of the usual methods, such as Alt F4. So that's pretty easy and straightforward. Chrome, however, well, there's an incredibly clumsy procedure that will work to display a message if you accidentally click the close button, but it's clumsy. Visit the Prevent Close website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Then right-click the tab and select Pin. Click once anywhere on the page. Now when you click the close button, Chrome will display the Prevent Close page and a warning. I called this a clumsy procedure because even though you've pinned the page to the browser and it will open each time you start Chrome, you still need to remember to click somewhere on the page at least once or the procedure won't work. Maybe that's one of the reasons that I switched back to Firefox and away from Chrome about a year ago. If you don't yet have the new version of Facebook, you will have it soon, and Facebook says there will be no way to go back. But you can improve the way Facebook works. Two applications exist to do this, FB Purity and Social Fixer. The FB in FB Purity stands for Fluff Busting, not Facebook. If you're not using one of these, Facebook is a lot more frustrating than it needs to be. Steve Fernandez is the creator of FB Purity. Matt Krause is the social fixer developer. 
I have used both, but I always return to Social Fixer. Facebook could kill either of these applications pretty easily, and apparently tried at least once with Social Fixer, but I rate users one, and Facebook tolerates these applications while doing everything they can to defeat them. It's a Goliath and David type of battle. Two lone developers against dozens, or more likely hundreds or even thousands, of Facebook developers. Facebook's new look is, at least in part, an attempt to obfuscate the code so much that writing code to control what Facebook displays and how is challenging. There's only so much Facebook's developers can do, though. If they make the code impossibly complex, they themselves will have trouble maintaining it. For those who detest the new layout, Krause has created Old Layout. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And he's been working to update the Social Fixer browser plugin to deal with features of the new layout that users find most objectionable. In a live video presentation for Social Fixer users, Krause recently explained some of the challenges the new layout has thrown at him. He didn't say that Facebook developers are trying to make his job harder or to kill Social Fixer. That's because some of the Facebook changes reduce the amount of code Facebook needs to render a page, and that makes Facebook faster. But Krause admitted that it probably wouldn't be considered too terribly unfortunate if the changes hobbled Social Fixer. Because of the Facebook changes, Krause has found it difficult to identify the code that represents any given post so that Social Fixer can mark it or the entire thread as having been read. Uniquely identifying posts is impossible right now. And that's what the mark read feature uses. I know a lot of you, including myself, I like to go down the feed and mark posts as read or click the mark all read button. It collapses everything, kind of like clearing out your inbox, and you don't see a cluttered news feed. And when you reload, you only see posts that are new, that are not marked as read already. Um, I do that by uniquely identifying the post. And in the old layout, each post had an ID associated with it. And in the new layout, that ID doesn't exist anywhere. And in fact, there's nothing uniquely identifying each post. It's just a dump of content. In Facebook's old system, Social Fixer was able to hide sponsored posts. That feature is now generally working in the new version. It was also possible to identify and hide individual items on the page. In the new layout, I'm able to hide the Watch and Marketplace buttons and the ScreenHog Stories item at the top of the page. But previously, Social Fixer was able to hide component parts in the left column. Currently, the only option is to hide the entire column. Few people will find that acceptable because the left column does contain items that most users consider to be essential, along with some that they detest. That's one of the things that Krause is working on right now. Right now, you can hide the left column, but you can't hide individual things in the left column. That's doable. I found a way to do that. It's just tedious. It probably for every single one that I add in the left column, it takes me 10 minutes to identify the URL and add the rule and add the JSON up on the server. So 10, 15 minutes, it's a little tedious, but I'm going to get to that. The other thing I'm working on is being more configuration driven from my server. So my code has uh, hooks in it, class names and structures and things like that to identify parts of the page. I want to store that on my server so that every time you load up Social Fixer, maybe once a day, it downloads the latest configuration so I can 
make updates and react to their changes without having to release updates to the actual extension, which makes everything work better for everyone. But even without some of the advanced features, Social Fixer still makes Facebook a lot more useful. A couple of examples for you. When I'm writing a comment on a post, sometimes I scroll away to see something else on the page, and it's not always easy to find the post that I'm commenting on. Social Fixer makes it possible to highlight the comment you're working on, and you get to choose the color, so it's a lot easier to find. The application also has several screens of settings designed to allow users to control Facebook's look and feel. If Zuckerberg and his developer minions were as smart as they think they are, they would implement many of Krause's features in Facebook. Now, certainly Facebook developers would not implement the features that allow users to hide sponsored posts, but they could make it possible for users to filter posts depending on words in the post. For me, some of those words include, does anyone remember? Factory store direct sale. I think most of you know me. Insurance work. Lawsuit information. Men's health certified. Not sold in stores. Only available for a short time roof damage, take this quiz, unique personalized gift, and a lot more. Facebook should allow users to filter posts they don't want to see, but it doesn't. Social Fixer does. There are several configuration pages. The general page allows you to set the view to most recent instead of top stories, which Facebook wants you to use. It alerts you when you receive a message from someone who's not in your social network, which Facebook does not do. It stops Enter from submitting posts, so you can add new lines if you want to easily. And it does a lot more. Each of these settings can be enabled or disabled as the user prefers. The Hide Posts page allows users to specify characteristics of posts that they don't want to see. And the Filters page is even more powerful. It includes the ability to use a variety of filter lists and for users to create their own filters. If you're a Facebook user who doesn't like the new interface, or even the old interface, give FB Purity or Social Fixer a try. You'll find links on the TechBiter Worldwide website that go to the FB Purity or Social Fixer pages on Facebook. And if you want to install the applications, you'll find links to both of those in your browser's add-ons page. No plugins are needed to see spare parts because we don't play games with you. Just head over to the TechBiter Worldwide website, and this week you'll find these articles. Maybe you read a book a few years ago, and now you need some information or a quotation from the text, but you can't remember the name of the book. All is not lost. Microsoft has found that underwater data centers have fewer system failures than land-based data centers. And 20 years ago, I thought computers were everywhere. I had no way to foresee what was coming in 2020. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.